right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mix Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 340. And with that number, we'll give a shout out to McCall Zerboni. She played 340 minutes in her U.S. national team career over nine caps. She is one of just two NWSL players who have appeared in every season of this league and every season of WPS, the previous league that ran from 2009 to 2011. She is second all time for NWSL minutes played and NWSL games played after Lauren Barnes, of course. All right, just one long chat in this episode with my buddy Lisa Roman, who calls games for NSL, does the Attacking Third podcast for CBS Sports, does a lot of other cool things. We talked NWSL, Challenge Cup specifically, start of the regular season, looking ahead to U.S. national team, um, call-ups, you know, based on NWSL performance, looking ahead to that CONCACAF W championship in July. No Jensplainer this week, but it will return next time. And hopefully I can get my button gear and get back on a more regular cycle for these podcasts. It's been a pretty crazy spring with my increased role in uh, prepping stuff for NWSL. Anyway, hope everyone enjoys this podcast and all the sounds that my cat is making in the background. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. You can find me at MixZone with two X's. You can also find me at KeeperNotes. Jen Cooper, the keeper, after a long break without podcasting, finally back doing a podcast with my friend, my favorite Carly Lloyd impersonator. That's Lisa Roman, attacking third podcast co-host um, and official NWSL giggler, Lisa Roman. Uh, Lisa, uh, other than the shit news that we get to talk about today, and yes, I'm being very frank with my language, um, how are you doing? Jen, I'm good. I get to chat with you, and that's lovely. I love that you threw in Carly Lloyd impersonator. Um, yes, yes, that's technically on my job title. It was great. I got to double her in a commercial. So we'll yeah, see. So, yeah, so, so we'll this, this is my, breaking news. If my acting is... career, if my acting career takes off, but I was a Carly Lloyd double in a commercial. I played some soccer, dribbled the ball, shot the ball, and you know, I never played professionally. So anyone can do it. Just believe in yourself. <laughs> Did you have to like apply certain makeup to your leg to make sure you had the exact same skin tone as Carly? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I think I forget what the casting call asked for. It was something like five seven female with brunette hair, soccer player, and I was like, okay, I'm five nine. I can shrink a little, and I'm brunette, and I play soccer. Let's let's run with it. And I got cast, and <laughs> there you go. The, the rest is history. I love it. I love the story. And now, now everyone can like search all the Carly Lloyd commercials to figure out which one. Yes. Which one? See it if was. you can find me. <laughs> well, Lisa, you and I were originally planning to talk Challenge Cup, end of cell regular season kickoff, a little bit national team, and of course we had some big news break yesterday. So you know. Got to address the elephant in the room, as painful it might, as it might be, though, though we're only going to address it briefly because I want to go ahead and say to listeners that, um, you know, definitely listen to the Attacking Third podcast that Lisa co-hosts with Sandra Herrera, because um, I know you guys talked about it in depth. And then I'm going to be on a podcast later today with Generation Orange, uh, a Houston soccer podcast, and talk about it in depth. So we're just going to touch on it. So if you want more people, there's other places to go. 
But bottom line, um, it was announced by uh, the league and Houston Dash last night um, that on the recommendation of the investigation that started, what, last October when a lot of stuff started happening, um, that on initial findings, and I think that's a really important word, initial, that the Dash suspend head coach James Clarkson. And they immediately suspended Clarkson. Um, And so we don't know what the allegation is. Um, We don't know the timing of any allegation. My, my assumption is, is this isn't something that's happened recently. This is probably something from last year, given that we had that investigation started to kind of go through, you know, the systemic issues with, with the league and maybe, you know, the dash was one of the last clubs they got to. I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really crappy news to hear, I think, for any of yourself fans, regardless of what what team you're interested in, because we've just had too much of this this kind of news. Yeah, I mean, that's it. There's just been too much of it. And the fact that when the news broke from the club, Houston Dash and the NWSL putting out that joint statement on Tuesday evening... It's horrible to say, but I wasn't that surprised. I mean, I knew this investigation was going on. And after everything that had happened in 2021 um, with the news that had been out and a number of coaches being fired, suspended for cause, that I knew this investigation was still happening. It was almost a matter of time. And even at this point, I'm still like, okay, if something else happens, I'm not truly going to be shocked and knocked knocked my socks off by any means. Um, uh, This the manner in how this happened, I think, surprised me a little bit. The fact that this, the news and in the release, it said that there was initial findings. And due to that, the league, the Players Association recommend, as you mentioned, recommend that Houston Dash suspend James Clarkson. And the fact that the club did that pretty immediately, from my understanding, I think that's a great step in the right direction. That knowing oh, that there's an investigation totally. going on. It's not like, okay, well, let's just wait. Let's see how the regular season first week goes. It's like, no, there's an investigation happening, and this is what you recommend. We're going to follow this recommendation, and our players' protection and safety is our number one priority, despite the regular season being three days away, and now we need to find an interim head coach. So those steps in the right direction are incredibly promising to know that this investigation is is working. It's doing the job that it was set out to do in October of 2021 to find things about current personnel working for clubs in the league, working for the league, that anything questionable be brought to light and have a transparent conversation between the league and the players about this to ensure that player safety is first and foremost the priority. Well, and, and for me, it's it's one of the, the silver linings that I can take away from this is this policy that all of this is is coming in reaction to. We only had it starting a year ago. Um, and, and the fact that it's doing what it was intended to do and providing a platform for if a player has a complaint, you know, they've got a safe place to go to handle that complaint, um, you know, their name doesn't have to be made public. They know it's going to be investigated and, and it allows um, the individual clubs. And I've seen this on the MLS side too, where when the league is stepping up, then the club 
like they don't have the same pressure, right? They can say we were recommended to suspend him. We're suspending him. You know, um, I've, I've seen on the MLS side where they, they've got like, you know, the absolute no tolerance on, on drug addiction and stuff like that. So whenever there's an issue, it's like, boom, that player suspended by the league, not the, you know, not the club. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's like, we're seeing some processes that are long overdue to be, to be put into place. Um, of exactly. course, what, cons- what, what concerns me um, you know, and, and it's hard how, you know, actually, you know, knowing this coach personally, that um, even if the further investigation proves that nothing happened or the allegation is unfounded or whatever, you know, formal language you want to use, the fact that like the media coverage just explodes from that first press release, like, I, I don't know how you come back from that. And this is actually a very normal corporate process in terms of, you know, you work at a big corporation, someone is, uh, you know, alleged to have done something wrong. They suspend him until the investigation is complete. That's very normal, but normally it's done privately. Right. And sorry, you're part of a, a big pro sports league. That stuff isn't done privately. Um, so that worries me. And then also that given all of the crap that we saw come out, last year, I think it's really easy and, and and it's very human, admittedly, that we bunch all of these together that, you know, your mind immediately goes to the worst story, right? Which was the Paul yeah. Riley um, news that came out last fall, where we have n- absolutely no idea what it is. And the anti-harassment, bullying, all, all that policy, it's pretty broad, right? It's supposed to cover everything. So, this could be anywhere on the spectrum from ew to oh my god to are you effing kidding me right um, yeah the and, idea and we that, don't know <laughs> exactly exactly and i think it's important to touch on that in the, the statement that the nwsl put out they changed the wording for the policy it, it was formerly called the nwsl anti-harassment policy and now it is the NWSL policy to prevent and eliminate workplace discrimination, harassment, and bullying with an additional an additional line in there saying, quote, maliciously threatening to waive bench or trade players absent a legitimate reason or belittling players about their body image and weight. So it really opens up the discrimination and the, the former anti-harassment policy to so much more that it could be anything from sexual racial harassment to uh conversations about body images and weight and it's it's now a giant conversation that the fact that we have no idea what the findings were about houston dash's james clarkson it's it leaves a lot up to speculation so i'm hoping that as these findings continue to come out and as the investigation continues that there is a little bit more transparency about what they found and what it was that he was suspended for because I think that also changes the future of James Clarkson's coaching career. Right. And, you know, you, you definitely don't want to tramp on any privacy issues when it comes to whoever made the allegation, but you know, exactly. if, if the league is really about transparency, we need to know a lot more. And I, I'm assuming of course, that we're not going to hear anything until investigation is concluded but i but i think it's important for you know all listeners to understand its initial findings um Mm -hmm. and the club recommended by the league suspend they suspended but it's all pending 
further investigation and we and, have and no idea what exactly, the allegation exactly. is, who it came from or when. Exactly. When is a huge and, and another fact I'm going to put out there for everyone is that this announcement came out on Tuesday, April 26th. New NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman took her office on April 20th. So six days after she is in office. So this is technically under Jessica Berman's jurisdiction as NWSL Commissioner as to how she handles this. And when she was put into office a few months ago and, and the election happened and she was hired, people had asked her, we had asked her on Attacking Third, what are your thoughts on the 2021 season and everything that happened? What are your plans to protect the players? What are your plans to keep open lines of communication and player safety at the forefront? And it was a priority for her. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds, especially being under Berman's reign now as NWSL commissioner. This is really the first thing she's going to have to deal with. Um, and it comes <laughs> six days after she takes the job and sits in that office chair for the first time. So no pressure. And we, and or anything. I thought it was tough for Lisa Baird coming in and the whole league exactly. shutting down six days into her tenure. Well, so with that off our chest and, and off our shoulders, uh, but sadly not off our hearts, at least we can move on to a little bit of challenge mm-hmm. cup discussion. We've wrapped up the group stage, um, you know, to a team from each group advancing along with the best second place team, which turned out to be Washington spirit. So we've got semifinals set for May 4th. We've got spirit hosting number one seed rain. Cause they don't have a venue available. And then Kansas city hosting North Carolina. I know Kansas city is so excited. Like I, I thought it was cute on their, their big uh, video board in the stadium where it's like champions and underneath it says central division. hey they won something i see what you did i see what you did well hey they've had four wins in the challenge cup group stage they didn't have that many for the entirety of 2022 so props and so impressed i'm so impressed with what kansas city's doing honestly that the ownership has come in and said we want to be a club that wins and they went out, they got the personnel to do that in all of the different trades that happened throughout the 2021 season and in the offseason, starting with A.B. Franz, Kristen Hamilton, Haley May, Sam Lewis, Lynn Williams, and then getting Matt Potter. I think that he's also done a tremendous job in putting players in certain positions and certain roles to best highlight their strengths. And Kansas City is good. They're a really good team. They're really fun to watch and play. I think them playing against North Carolina Courage at home will be a a big test for Kansas City. Um, Now going up against North Carolina, that has also had a tremendous Challenge Cup. Uh, They've done really, really well, surprising a lot of people, surprising me, I'm going to be frank, but finishing with 12 points, three wins, three draws, they, they went unbeaten in that East region. And now this is the test against Kansas City, which team's going to come out on top. And the thrill for me of these semifinals is we have not seen these teams play each other yet, right? We've never seen Mm -hmm. this iteration of Kansas City play this iteration of North Carolina. And even if you consider the trade that went, the multiple trades that went on between these clubs, most of the players traded aren't really involved, right? Like Lynn Williams is out. Sam Mewis doesn't, doesn't look to be, um, a, a factor. It, it's a very different North Carolina than we've ever seen before. And obviously Kansas city, hugely different from their first year when they inherited, obviously a lot of the, the 
player contracts from Utah. Now it seems like they've built the team they wanted to build, right? We saw so much movement, um, but clearly they've, they, they've got a vision and they're, they're executing that vision. Now to look back briefly at the, the group stage, you know, what games pop out in your head or players or, or moments of just like, wow, like that was really cool. Or this is why I'm watching or. Well, maybe not one specific game, but I, I almost like the character arc of the two expansion sides coming into this challenge cup. I mean, looking at angel city specifically, uh, they started this challenge cup. And after their first game, I was like, this is going to be a wash. Angel city is not going to be able to do anything. They have no depth. They only have one attacking presence in Kristen press. They're just going to get steamrolled and they end the challenge cup with a win over Portland Thorns. So watching that development and Angel City get better, yes. honestly, half by half of every single game in San Diego as well. There are certain games that uh, San Diego against OL Reign in the second half, San Diego was able to do so much more with the ball than they could in the first half. And watching Angel City, even against Portland Thorns, in their progression throughout this Challenge Cup was really impressive. Angel City was passing the ball around, holding up possession in the midfield, being able, being a force against Portland Thorns and ultimately winning that game. So the expansion sides, I was so impressed with them when I uh, the bar wasn't that high. I wasn't really expecting much from them and they were able right. to grow in the Challenge Cup, which is super impressive. And I think that says a lot about Freya Coombe at Angel City, the head coach, and Casey Stoney, head coach at San Diego Wave, that in the little time they were given and in the five, six matches that they played throughout the Challenge Cup, they could grow from those experiences. Well, and calling the the Angel City um, Portland game Sunday for, for the Twitch feed, like Angel City just seems so smooth. And, yeah. you know, I, I, the, the longer the game went on, I'm like, they're going to win this game and they deserve to win it, which felt really strange, right? Because we saw how much they struggled early on, but you see that progression. And then San Diego, I was so impressed that even though they kept struggling and giving up a lot of goals early, they were always clawing back and managing to get on the scoreboard, which Mm -hmm. says a lot when you're, when you're facing Portland and rain. And, and that's why I'm I'm so glad we're finally getting to the regular season where we're going to have some matchups that aren't so geographically restricted because it's really hard to gauge who the best teams are uh, and who's not when we've only seen teams face limited opponents, right? Like how much do we really know about the rain when they've had four games against expansion teams and two games against the thorns? Right. Exactly. Um, so, so it's it's like good. We've got some cross division <laughs> matchups coming. So Friday night, the whole thing kicks off. Angel City will be at their real home, the Bank of California in downtown LA, <laughs> hosting North Carolina. And I am really intrigued by this matchup because one, what I saw Angel City do Sunday in just terms of looking really smooth, especially when you consider how big their injury report is. And then North Carolina too, like that game on CBS last weekend. I loved watching that North Carolina Washington game. Like it almost felt like a playoff game, right? Like it was just both teams were in it to win it. You know, it, it um, was it was the playoff game. 
it was yeah, because yeah. They, both teams need, needed to get results. I mean, the way it worked out, of course, Washington ending up in the semifinals, but Washington needed to win that game and yeah. North Carolina did as well. And because of that, we got a really good match between the courage and the spirit. Yeah, that 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 was a, a fun one to watch and like to I think for fans to really see Caroline get a lot of minutes, right? I, I think we're gonna see a great partnership between her and Dabinia. Um, seeing the spirit continue to establish themselves at, when they're still such a young team. It's kind of a cliche to say, but like it's a very young team that's just getting better and better. And the confidence that's coming from Ashley Hatch is really great to see as well. So, so looking ahead for men WSL, cause I, cause I don't think there's any need for us to go, you know, game by game for, for regular season. And again, I can always refer people to, you got to check out the attacking third podcast. Cause you and Sandra do so much coverage of Andy Russell, but we've got, we, we got the draw last week of the CONCACAF W championship, which is the fancy name for CONCACAF's women's world cup qualifying for this summer also serves as Olympic qualifying, but don't need to worry about that right now. Bottom line, two groups of eight, obviously you, you put us and Canada, um, in separate groups. Um, and then they did, uh, the rest of the draw. So now we finally know who they're going to play. And we know it's in July. We know it's in uh, Monterey, Mexico, which I'm really excited about because you've got two great stadiums there, one for Tigres, one for the Monterey Reatas. Um, and those teams have both done really well in Liga MX Femenil. Um, you know, they've both won titles. So I'm, I'm expecting some really big, fun crowds there. Um, but here are our groups. So we've got U.S. facing Mexico, which I think, oh my God, the U.S.-Mexico group game is going to be amazing. Also Jamaica and Haiti. And then in the other group, we've got Canada, Costa Rica, Panama, Trinidad, and Tobago. So it's not really a matter of, are the U.S. going to be challenged very much, right? Um, but I think it's more developmental time for Vlad Kononoski as he starts shaping a roster for 2023. And, you know, we saw in April the friendlies and she believes, um, and even those November matches in Australia, you know, he wasn't calling in any of the old veterans, you know, this, we got to give the young talent minutes, but now as we're approaching qualifying, I think now this roster is going to be a mix of, the players that he thought played best this spring and some of the veterans uh, assuming that they're, they're performing at a high level in the league. So, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on how do you narrow down when you look at like our pool has to be over 30 players that could easily all be starters. Like how do you narrow that down to just 20, uh, which is the CONCACAF qualifying roster limit? That's the question of the century, Jen. (laughs) It's really okay, you have two hard. minutes to answer. Ready, go. <laughs> I mean, you can't limit me to two minutes, but the conversation <laughs> is mostly around the forwards because um, due to some injuries and, and some processes of elimination, there's been a lessening of depth at certain positions. When you look at right. the back line for the United States, Tierna Davidson going down with a season-ending injury for Chicago Red Stars, so that essentially – opens up a position in the back line, I'm going to say. I say that very lightly, though. And and the midfield, which has traditionally been a very deep 
bench for the United States, that's also pretty shallow, I'm going to say, because they don't have that many players coming in and out of that midfield rotation. It's more about finding which ones can be the most consistent. Honestly, the forward group is where there's just such a champagne problems for Black Wendonofsky of so much talent, so much depth, which players work the best together, maybe have the most versatility in that group to make it all the way to the World Cup. And, and that starts with the qualifiers because the next camp for the United States is in June. And that roster that Black Wendonofsky calls in is most likely what we're going to see at the World Cup, uh, despite any injuries that may happen, knock on wood, it's not going to. But when you look at the forwards that were most recently called in for the April window, Ashley Hatch, Mallory Pugh, Margaret Purse, Trinity Rodman, Sophia Smith, it's a pretty young crew. It's a pretty young crew that he had called in. I am expecting to see some more veterans back in the group. I think that Alex Morgan and Kristen Press are two players that Black Wendonofsky has been keeping a really close eye at in the NWSL, making sure they get consistent minutes, making sure they are not just contributors to their individual clubs, but sole contributors and, and making the biggest impacts that they can. Because if players like Morgan and Press can make huge impacts for an expansion club in the NWSL playing against two powerhouses in OL Reign and Portland Thorns throughout this Challenge Cup, they will be able to make a difference at the the international level. And having players, veterans, like those two specifically, to help the younger ones uh, and maybe players that don't have as many caps going to Mexico, playing in these qualifiers and making sure they get to the World Cup. I think that's really important to have that mix of veteran and younger players to not only help on the field, but off the field. The mindset, going to Mexico, playing in front of fans that may not be 100% in favor of the United States, especially when the U.S. plays Mexico, that crowd is not going to be 100% cheering for the U.S. It, it, it and, probably won't even be 10% cheering for the U.S., which I think is a, a important experience for those younger yeah. players to have. Um, sure, we know a lot of American fans will travel to you know New Zealand and, and Australia for the World Cup in 2023, but it's not going to be like Canada in 2015. It's not going to be like France in 2019, where you had games that were clearly dominant Mm -hmm. USA fans in the stand. So I I think that's a huge experience um, to have. And I I also really appreciate that you did have players like Alex Morgan and Kristen Press getting a break this spring where, you know, hey, you know, sure, age is just a number. But for me, it's not about the age. It's more about the mileage, right? those players have played so many games, so many friendlies traveled so much, like whatever rest you can afford them, give them that rest. You know, it also meant that Kristen press and Alex Morgan got to spend more time with their club teams, you know, at a very important time for those club teams. Right. Um, to, to really let those, those rosters develop. Um, it's going to be ridiculously hard for Vlatko and his staff to figure out who goes and who doesn't. And the thing to remember is one, the June camp, I'm sure they'll call in 24, 26, right? So not everybody that gets into the June camp will be named to uh, mm-hmm. the, the July roster. And just because you make the July roster doesn't mean you're going to the world cup next year. <laughs> Cause like, you know, we had in 2018, Haley Mace was on the, 
the qualifying roster, right? Because there were some people who were injured. So there's still this, not a whole year, but there's, there's a good another cycle, um, you know, for some other players to prove their point. Um, but I do like that by the time Blocko names the roster for the June camp, and I would assume that would be what, like June 10th, June 12th, full name, something like that. We will have had at that point a good six weeks, six more weeks of end of cell action, right? Um, unlike, you know, I think back to 2015 and even 2019, to where based on when the, the end of yourself season started and when rosters were named for the world cups, it was a window of like two or three weeks. So there was no way that somebody was playing their way onto a roster. Right. It was, it was like, if you hadn't done it by last fall, you weren't doing it. Right. So, so here we mm-hmm. actually have this, this, this window where it's like, no, you've got time to play yourself onto a roster. If you weren't on, the Uzbekistan friendly rosters or, or she believes um, much like, you know, I, I think about last year with challenge cup where 80 French had such a great performance with Portland and she hadn't been with the national team for a while because she was coming back from that knee injury. And I feel like her incredible performance for the thorns in challenge cup last year is what laid her back onto the national team ro- roster and got her that backup spot behind a listener mm-hmm. for the Olympics. It's so important to note that Black Wendonofsky is a former NWSL coach. He cares about the club games. He watches them. He is evaluating players in them. And it's not just time away from the national team. He values those minutes. He values the experiences that he sees his players getting. And week in and week out, these players are not only proving themselves for their club, but also for Blacko because they know that He's watching them. I think it's a great point about A.D. Franch. And and the goalkeeper position is also one that is, I think there's some question marks about it. Casey Murphy, Miss North Carolina Courage, has been injured. She's yet to see time with the Courage in North Carolina throughout this Challenge Cup. We'll see if that changes as we get into regular season. But she is one that I thought had her position solidified at the national team. And now with this injury, I'm not so sure. I, I think that opens up a spot for a a third goalkeeper to come in. I think Kingsbury is making a case for herself in that role. Bella Bigsby has been called in, but I don't think there's enough there from Bigsby to solidify a spot for her at the national team level. And Alyssa Nair, who's playing with Chicago Red Stars, holy cow, she is back from her injury that she suffered last year. And (laughs) she wants to make this World Cup team. And she is playing like it every single day for Chicago. It's really fun to watch. So I think Black Wendonofsky has tough decisions to make there as well. And it's based on player availability and their injury status. Well, and it's good too that I feel like we replenish our goalkeeper pool, which was getting pretty thin, not because the talent's not out there, but because the coaches in charge weren't giving backup keepers minutes ever, right? Like there's a reason that Hope Solo ended up with 202 caps. They played her every single meaningless friendly, right? Where it's, it's like, wow, you mm-hmm. got to give the younger players some minutes, right? Like, you know, French, I think she was 29 when she got her first cap, right? It's, it's like, hey, we got to be developing those keepers sooner even if it's just you're you're giving him the second half of a game or something like that right like we've got to be developing so even if 
Murphy isn't um, fit enough to go for the this summer, you know that she'll still be in contention for a spot next summer. And at the same time, that gives another young player, whether it's Bixby or Bledsoe or Cassie Miller or whomever, you know, a shot at, you know, getting some, some minutes with the team, being called into that camp and getting that training, right? Um, and we know there's there's keepers behind them that have played for the U23s and the U20s, you know, like um, like Laurel Ivory, you know, who's now with the rain. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of people coming up behind them. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about this qualifying tournament for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, cause it signals, Hey, the, the world cup is getting closer, <laughs> but two, that it's, Oh yeah. I, I know this sounds strange, but I'm excited that it's not in the U S um, you know, it's like, it's not necessarily good preparation when the team gets to play at home for all those games. Right. And you know, I, I don't want to soil anybody's equal pay argument, but, you know, it is a very different qualifying path for the men where you're doing home and away in, you know, seven different countries. And the women play qualifying in two weeks at home, right? Like I remember 2014, mm-hmm. Hope Solo won the entire tournament without having to make a save, right? Um, so I'm glad that okay, good, our players are going to get the experience of playing in front of fans that aren't necessarily supportive, right? That That's an important experience. Um, it is, calf, and traveling, and, and yes, also travel. the conditions, where they're yes. going to stay, the type of field conditions, are they going to get to practice on that field? There's, like, is, so yeah, many different it, factors. It's, it's that probably going to be this. pretty hot, right? And, yep. and also that CONCACAF is thinking bigger, and it's like, course you can always throw a tournament in the u.s and you can probably charge more for tickets and give more fans to come out you know it's like but how are we going to grow the game how are we going to keep building up soccer and CONCACAF and and eventually develop you know a much stronger confederation and maybe one day you know a, a CONCACAF women's champions league and that stuff if we're not you know develop helping other other countries build the game and you know you had Liga MX Femenil launched, what, 2017? So now you've had several seasons. Um, you've developed these fan bases. You've developed these players. So now, like, the fans, the local fans that will go to those two stadiums in, in July, it won't be odd that they're going to see women's soccer. They'll be like, yeah, you know, we'll get to see some of our own club players on these teams. Because, of course, Tigris and, and Rauras have a lot of – <laughs> a lot of players on the, on the national team. Um, so I, so I like that it, it, it's like, we're progressing where it's not just, well, of course we'll have in the U S because where else would you have it? Right. And, and it's not also at that, well, we'll have it in Costa Rica at this tiny little stadium and no one's there. Right. That, that we're, that we're finding these other places where you can, um, you know, exactly. build some, exactly. build some big crowds and, and build other countries. Yeah. It's, it's being taken more seriously. This- the seriousness that CONCACAF has put into not only the W championship, but also the qualifiers saying that all of these nations get an opportunity to compete, which wasn't the case before. And the fact that the, the restructuring of the W championship not only allows teams entrance into the world cup in 2023, but also the Olympics and the W gold cup because of that. And just putting all of the teams on the same 
equal playing field for the qualifiers is a huge, huge advantage. And yes, some teams beat other teams 20 to nothing, but it's the chance that those nations had the opportunity to compete. And now they can look at this and say, okay, our women played in these qualifiers. They got demolished, but they were given the opportunity. Can we put more resources into this or into this team and give them more funding that way in three years or four years time, when it comes around again for qualifications, they don't get beat 20. No, they have an opportunity because we've given them more funding. And that's that's where it's a key phrase when you're saying three or four years from now, the way that they've reformatted all of these, um, women's tournaments and i'm not going to explain here all the difference between what they are bottom line they've set it up so that these teams won't go dark for the next three years that's what we've seen in the last several cycles that any team that didn't make the final eight of qualifying or did and didn't make the world cup they would go dark for the next three years they would not play a single game for the next three years and then they would reform right before qualifying that doesn't develop the players, develop the sport, develop a fan base, make money, not, none of that. So a lot of the changes in all these tournaments, which can be a little confusing, but bottom line, it's all about making sure that these smaller countries and programs that have never gone to the World Cup are playing more regularly. So even the teams that don't qualify for Australia and New Zealand this summer, they will still be going on next year to other competitions. Um, so that's, that's the kind of thing that makes me really happy. So, so we're moving away bit by bit from the, okay, we'll just have a two week tournament in the U S once every four years. And that's all we have to do. We can say we've done Mm -hmm. soccer, right. Where you look at UEFA and they have extended thorough qualifying for not only the women's world cup, but also their own Euro competition right? So that every one of their members of UEFA that has a women's team, they're playing regularly all the time, you know, which is why I know some people laugh at the idea of, um, you know, the U.S. playing Czech Republic and she believes or Uzbekistan and the Franleys. It's like, hey, those are developing teams that, you know, are not necessarily doing bad. And I know some people are like, oh, it's a, it's a shame that we beat the 9-0. I'm like, hey, you want to get better? You play a team that's better than you. you know. And, and probably the takeaways for the coach from Uzbekistan were probably huge from those two games, right? Because you know, they're not going to get an opportunity to play the defending World Cup champ very often. It's a huge opportunity for all of these nations. Um, I'm excited for it. There's a lot to come this summer for, for us, for these other nations, for the world cup. It's going to be an exciting next couple of years in women's soccer. And it's, and it's so weird that because of the delay with the Olympics, like, and of course all of our brains are still kind of off where to me forever last year will be 2019 basically. Um, but with mm-hmm. the delay in the Olympics, how it kind of compressed the cycle. So there's part of me where it's like, Oh my God, the women's world cup is barely a year away. That's you know, mind boggling to me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's like, and it's going to be in Australia and it's, uh, that's going to be really weird, but I really want to go. But you know, yeah, so many, so many exciting things to think about. And that in July will just be 
um, what, so you've got the Euros, we've got CONCACAF qualifying, we've got African qualifying, we've got Oceano qualifying, and Copa America Femenil, which is their qualifying. Basically, it's only Asia that's already done their qualifying. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, Europe, they, they, they do it extended over, over a period of time. But uh, the pub where I like to have a lot of watch parties for U.S. games and dash away games and stuff, the owner was saying, so there's not a lot of soccer this summer because the Men's World Cup is in December. I'm like, oh, there's plenty of soccer this summer. Let me make you a calendar. <laughs> I said, and it works out really well because like, so the Euro games can be in the day, right? And then the CONCACAF games can be at night. And then here, here and there, there's an NWSL game. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. It is well, going to be awesome. Let's go USA. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to one, dissect a very delicate situation with me, but also talk about some of our favorite topics, NWSL, U.S. national team, World Cup. Um, and and like you mentioned at the top, you know, you, you, or I mentioned rather, it's like, you know, you are my favorite uh, Carly Lloyd uh, <laughs> impersonator. So I, I'm going to offer, you know, a prize to any fan that figures out what commercial you were her double in. Um, so they just, they, they will get a free almanac if they figure it out and email keeper at keepernotes.com. But anyway, Lisa, many thanks for taking the time and keep up the good work with the attacking third podcast. Jen, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat. Um, I'm excited to see who can figure out what commercial I was in at Carly Lloyd. I love it. <laughs> All right, time to wrap this one up with the back four. First and foremost, if you haven't already discovered my Woso Google Calendar, the Keeper Notes Woso Google Calendar, you need to find it. Just search for that on on your Google Calendar. I share, um, I post all kinds of, of game info in there. So like the Challenge Cup semifinals and final, Women's Champions League in Europe, the NWSL regular season, the Summers Euro Championship, the CONCACAF W Championship, the College Cup, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you can also find it if you just go to keepernotes.com, click on Wosopedia, and there is a link there. That might be an easier way to find it. Speaking of Challenge Cup, we do have the semifinals coming up next week, Wednesday, May 4th. We have Washington hosting OL Rain, and, and that's because Rain would have been hosting, but they don't have a venue available, so... Washington gets to host that one. And that one did just get moved to Audi Field, which is great. Other semifinal will be Kansas City hosting North Carolina. Great to see Kansas City getting into those semifinals. Big progress for last year's expansion club. And then the final will be Saturday, May 7th. That one will be on Big CBS. And the highest remaining seed of the two finalists that advance, they'll get to host. And then, of course, regular season has just begun. Angel City getting their first ever regular season win in their inaugural game at Bank of California Stadium. Lots of regular season matches this year. Let's see. It's a balanced schedule for the first time. Everyone playing 11 home games and 11 away games. You face every team twice, which is nice and balanced. So 132 regular seasons, th- season games ahead of us. Almost all of them will be on Paramount Plus. 
there are there are some games that are on Twitch for everyone. It'll be a, a Twitch exclusive. So if you're in the U.S., you definitely want Paramount Plus because you can get all the regular season games. Obviously, Twitch is free. So if it's on Twitch, got on Twitch. If it's on CBS, that's easy. I know it can be tough when there's games on CBS Sports. Um, if you don't have CBS Sports, I would recommend you know, go to your local bar and say, Hey, can you put this game on? (laughs) And if you can't find it that way, um, take note that Paramount Plus does eventually archive any game that airs on CBS Sports. Now, for those of you in Canada, every game is on Twitch for you, unless it is on CBS or CBS Sports. And I know I've heard the details of how hard it is to get CBS Sports in Canada. And then for those of you that are not in USA or Canada, bottom line, everything's on Twitch. Nice and easy. And if you want to go, want to dig deep and go back really old school NWSL, almost all of the 2013 through 2016 seasons live on YouTube. All right. Last thing for this, for this episode, last thing for this back four, NWSL merchandise. I know a lot of you love it. Always looking to find more of it. Um, I think we're getting better and better each year as not only the league shop expands, but I'm seeing more and more teams invest in merch and and more options and offer international shipping and and all kinds of great stuff. So if you want to put your money where your soccer is, put it in NWSL merch, not just buying it, but wearing it, sharing it, giving it, showing it off, bragging about it. And anytime you're in a sports store, like a Dick's Sporting Goods or Academy or any, whatever your local store is, soccer specialty store, say, hey, do you have any NWSL gear? Hey, can you order me some NWSL gear? Hey, why don't you have NWSL gear, right? Just keep putting that message out there. Um, Stores work on, you know, what they perceive demand to be. So if you make those demands known, it sends a message. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mix Home Women's Soccer Podcast. I appreciate everyone who who listens, who shares, who talks about it, who tweets about it, who patiently waits um, a month between episodes for it. And of course, I have to give a big, big shout out to both the Beautiful Game Network and also my producer, Sean, for helping me put it all together. But now she's at